Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2019, only two weeks before I would leave the big company. I stepped into the headquarters of D Magazine. If you're not from Dallas, Texas, which most of you are not, you may not know that D is the premier magazine for the city. In fact, it's home to several different brands. I was invited there because the big company had turned down an invitation to be a part of their marquee women's leadership event. And they extended to me, just as a courtesy, to be a part of a luncheon. When I arrived at the luncheon, I immediately saw people I already knew, one of which was Christine Perez. She's the editor of DCEO Magazine. Previously, though, she was an editor at the Dallas Business Journal. If you rewind back to 2007, she was the one that wrote the article on me when the Dallas Business Journal named me to their 40 Under 40. So I had a really good connection with Christine already. There was somebody else in the room that I noticed, Kevin Davis. Kevin was the lead recruiter for the MJ Neely School at Texas Christian University. He was there with another sponsor or representative from Texas Christian University, my alma mater, of course. And there were some other faces around the table that I recognized. But it was an interesting time to be there representing the big company, knowing that within two weeks I would be gone. I sat there that day. And when they came around the room, I introduced myself. I gave my title. But I also shared a lot of what the big company was doing, which was innovative at that time for women of color. It was at that moment that I looked across the table and I caught the eye contact of the president of D Partners. D Partners is the holding company for D Magazine, D CEO, Dallas Innovates, and a rash of other brands. You'll hear more about that soon. But since our meeting, Jilly, Allison and I have become friends. I want you to meet Jilly for a few reasons. One is because she is a change maker. I've watched her and her team of phenomenal women and some men transform the D brand into something that reflects our city more now than it ever did. Remember, I grew up in Dallas. D Magazine wasn't always a place where we saw people who looked like us. Now, it's totally different. The other reason why is because she is a master marketer. You know, I bleed marketing and integrated communications. And when I see somebody who knows what they're doing, I want to know more about them. She believes that marketing drives so much of what she's doing at D Partners. We'll hear more about that soon. And the third reason I want you to meet her, she's just good people. 
In fact, she's one of those local who's and what's it. She would never call herself that. That I am able to just pick up the phone and chat with and giggle. And it's all in seeing Dallas become a better city and reflect it in a better way. Without further ado, I want you to meet my friend, the president of D Partners, Jilly Allison, C-Suite Media Executive and Change Maker. Let's get it. Hello, hello. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. No, are you kidding? Again, I'm like, I want to ask you every day to do something. So, like, I <laughs> so kind of you. Yeah. Because, yeah, I just, I, again, I think of you all the time. How are you? How are you I'm doing? I'm good. I'm really good. You good. know, I feel the uptick of everything, although I don't want to get this false sense of security. So, we oh, stay true. masked up. I'm going to get my second dose in the next week or so. Have you been able to get one? Yep, fully vaxxed. So I'm back in the office. Good for you. I'm- Everybody, I'm so excited that I have Jilly Allison. She's the president of D Partners. For those of you around the globe, you may not know what that is, but right here in North Texas, we know exactly what that is. That is a parent company of D Magazine, D CEO, Dallas Innovates, and what else? D Home? D Home, D Weddings, D Online. People just, yeah, we got, yes. a, we got a, a ton. All of that, all of that. They are the premier, uh, maybe the go-to magazine and media resource here, the slick ones anyway. Of course, we've got the Dallas Morning News and the newspapers and such, but this is our slick flagship magazine that everybody turns to, and I'm talking about D Magazine and all of its offshoots. Jilly, so, so awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. You know what? You guys are like family. I have really loved getting to know and staying in contact with your editors. Christine Perez is one of my favorites. Yes, she's the editor there. And I never will forget towards the end of my tenure at AT AT&T. She invited me up to y'all's offices for a luncheon or something. And that's where I met some of the folks from the Texas Women's Foundation and got to share a bit about what we were doing with women and women of color at that point in time. But it was funny because you guys didn't know it, but I knew that two weeks later, I wasn't going to be anywhere around AT&T, but you stayed with me and that was really cool. And soon I was at many of your events and that's one of the things that we want to talk about today, the events that you guys do and part of your responsibility is not just sales and operations, but it's marketing, right? Oh yeah. Marketing's in my blood. It's and I think marketing is everything. Yeah. Um, and those, you know that and others probably listening do too. So yeah, I mean, and we, you know, that for a media company that falls under a couple different shoots. So we have a very established brand in Dallas. We're 45 years old. We did a Richards Group study a couple years ago and the D logo was just as recognizable as Apple and Starbucks in the community. Whoa. And so we take that, I mean, the brand is our asset, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's part of it. And then my other hat is marketing for our clients. So how do we get our clients um, to market and brand themselves and connect with our audience that we have and align with this great brand and the brand products we have? So it's so fun because I get to work across so many different things. And I think marketers, 
we need that kind of ADD yeah. <laughs> switch around to different, you know, so I'll be talking to one sector of bankers one day and home designers the next. And I love that. And I love brainstorming about how we can get them. That's just them. amazing. And I've watched the brand really evolve over time to fit the current need. And, you know, it's switched. We're, we're very digital now. So in addition to the live events that you do in person, which of course, post pandemic, we do virtually, you have some other outlets that are digital as well, right? Yeah, I mean, our website, you know, we have an entire team dedicated and, you know, we, we're in a peer group of other city magazines. So you look at Chicago magazine, if you're from Philly or Boston, um, we have a, an amazing kind of network. And we were kind of the first to really invest in digital as, as its own product instead of just kind of throwing up the print content online. Um, and that's really paid off. I think we had one of the first blogs, you know, Front Burner, which is this kind of set quirky news blog for those in Dallas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we really saw the opportunity quickly to, and the way I view it, you know, we used to only be able to talk to our audience once a month in print. And now we talk to them every hour or every minute yeah. on social channels. And so it's just an extension of our audience, but with the same level of quality and editorial you know, relationship. Right. And you guys had to pivot a bit, just like everybody did when the pandemic hit. Whew, you're taking me back <laughs> to March 2020, which yes. I think everyone, we talk about it and it's just, you, yeah, that where it felt like a, a fellow executive said, the knives were falling and she was catching knives. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it's so true. You just didn't know. So yeah. Okay. Well, before we get too into it, what do you say we have a culture soup moment? Do it. Okay. So, you know, I'm always combing the threads. I'm on social media, seeing what people are talking about. There are several things going on. You know, the last... Um, episode I talked about the three-headed monster, the beast of the apocalypse, which is also in my book. And we're dealing with the fallout there, but there's another conversation that has not quit. And it's probably because I really feel like women have found our voice and we're not letting go. And I think Me Too kind of spurred some of it, but then you're beginning to see more intersectional voices speaking up. And I've seen a lot of that reflected in your publications, in fact, right over your shoulder, if you look at DCEO, you see two women of color back to back on covers, which is something we never saw ever from this magazine. Talk to me about this. Yeah, so this is a huge shift. We're actually celebrating our 15th year of DCEO, which is our business publication. Wow. So we've had the opportunity to look back and wow, it was all white men um, for a very long time. And I think, you know, shame on us because we know that there are executives and women executives yeah. and women of color and men of color, right? It's just the lens at which, you know, especially in a city like Dallas, you can tend to stay uh, with one narrow lens. So yes, you know, I think representation um, is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but I think those of us in the media um, have a special responsibility for representation. Yes. Um, and, you know, that also applies to our internal culture. So we are our business that is run by two women, my mother and myself, actually, we're a family business, but now, you know, formally women owned. Um, the editor of DCO Publish, uh, DCO, who you named, Christine Perez, you know, it really does matter who's at the table. Yes. And 
it's not um, that we're checking boxes or that we have some sort of, okay, well, this page needs this. Um, it really is about doing the work of going out, collecting people's stories, asking the questions of who else we should know and who's making the changes. Um, but these women are just as qualified as any other. I mean, it is not a matter of we need to show diversity. Right. I mean, that's important for a lot of things, but it's definitely merit based. And that's where our brand comes in, because, you know, we have a responsibility to our readers to be the best and to show the best and to never waver on quality. And, and that is completely aligned with the stories that we're continuing to tell. And now, you know, opening new sectors and diverse voices yeah. that probably should have been there for a long time. Well, one of the things that I love about what you guys are doing, and I said, should say gals, because it's a lot of women on that lot, staff. Majority women here, yeah. A lot of women. Um, I, I like it that you're not just saying, you know, this is our brand. This D is recognizable. So we need to stand up to what Dallas stands for. But you're also saying this is a reflection of Dallas. So what's the truest reflection of Dallas? And I've heard you and Christine both say, we want to make it a better place. That's not what most magazines might say. They're, they're usually there to cover, right? No, we Talk are mission-based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's really important. I mean, that's built into everything we do. Um, that's our, our mission is to make Dallas an even better place. And that translates to every publication we do. It's also why I'm glad we're in the business we're in of a magazine. Um, we've always had a voice. We've always been not a political platform by any means or partisan, but we are an advocate yes. and an advocate for the issues and the things that we want to see be improved in the city or things that are going well that we should champion and celebrate. And that could be, you know, the best taqueria in West Dallas yes. that deserves all the kudos and shout outs. That is that is that place is making Dallas an even better place and more exciting place to live. We want to celebrate that just as much as we want to, you know, the wins at City Halls or at City Hall are the issues that need to be raised and, and pushed against. Right. So it really is in the fiber of our being. And yeah, I think diverse voices is so important because Dallas today is not the Dallas I knew growing up. Right. I'm sure not the one you sure. knew growing up. I mean, it is a very vibrant, um, find your own journey kind of place. Right. Um, but but our job is to really knit those stories together to sh uplift, but also hold people accountable. Good, when we good. Well, you know, it's it's something that I've noticed. And you, you mentioned, yes, I grew up here. I'm Dallas born and bred. So <laughs> grew up in Oak Cliff right across the street from the Cedar Crest Golf Course. Uh, been around, I guess, gosh, they did a PGA back in 48, I think. I think that was a year. But yeah, um, long time Dallas. I but I remember picking up D Magazine, and when we saw the diversity, it's funny you would mention restaurants. It was usually a review of a rest restaurant or something. But now, or Best of Dallas or something like that. Now, we're seeing the entrepreneurs in Dallas Innovates. We're seeing, you know, the, the lady CEOs and heads of nonprofits in, in DCEO it's just new and I love it. <laughs> it's great. No, thank you. And thank you for recognizing that. I mean, I think it also, it's our responsibility to our readers too. You know, I think why our form of media is so important and local media, you know, wherever you are, is that we have a responsibility to also connect our readers with their community. And I think in an age where we can all feel quite isolated, especially over the last year, but even before that, I mean, you see all these stats about, you know, church membership is down and local 
you know, veteran group, I mean, these kind of local community yes. hubs that used to be so integral to life, right, um, and family, and those are, you know, withering away. And so our, especially Dallas, if you're in a city like ours, wherever you are, we have a huge influx of new people coming too. And so I think it is our responsibility to connect them to where they live. So this isn't maybe a stop on another corporate you know, adventure across the country to really right. get them plugged in, to help them understand their community, the history. You know, our history content is some of our most popular content in yeah. print and online, which I always love because I'm a history nerd. Um, but that's our responsibility. And I think that's why people turn to us too. And it's self-selecting too and the people that do read us. They they want to be engaged. They are self. So in terms of a marketing and brand, you know, they are the curious types too. It is a storytelling, but I love the way that you have integrated all the events, the digital, the the email newsletter, all of it. And one of the ways that I reconnected with Dee was not just meeting up with Christine again, because she and I connected in separate life when she was at Dallas Business Journal and I was yep. running my agency and uh, she wrote up the 40 under 40 on me. So we kind of have that connection. But the fact that you had this women's leaders series and a symposium and I think the first symposium that you did I was still at AT&T doing work for Scent Marshall and she was the first to grace your stage which was really awesome but that series is amazing can you tell us more about it yes this is something we're really proud of it's in its seventh year I think Um, and it started as kind of one of the first you know women's business executive events here in Dallas um, that really brought a ton of different verticals together. So women have been, you know, Dallas is a very social city. Mm-hmm. Uh, women especially love to connect, but this was really through the business lens. Um, and and not just a pure, you know, we're women in business. It was inspirational. It had a mix of entrepreneurs with, you know, C-suite executives like SIT. And I think that's where the mix has really uh, resonated with folks, so yes. that folks of every level. So yeah, so now we have many offshoots. Um, it built into a quarterly program. and. You know, last year you helped us go virtually in a two-day full, you know, 600 people online connecting. It was amazing. Really incredible to see the engagement online. Um, was even more so than it was in person in some years. So a lot of learnings from that. And then even this year we branched off. Um, one of the topics that has always come up, of course, because it's women leaders talking, has been about what it's like to be a working parent and working moms. And so yes. that's always been addressed, but not explicitly really through um, you know something we branded. And given the she session we're in and all of the very startling uh, data about the effect of pandemic on working moms and women in general, um, we're even gonna start an offshoot there where it's really specific conversations yeah. about women's experiences, as you said, elevating them, having people share their story, having people as one of my mentors, Sean Brown says, like the unmasking of it, mm-hmm. of, these kind of perfect poise, uh, you know, presentations we think we have to <laughs> convey. Um, I think 2020 has kind of ripped some of that apart in a good way. Um, but also what employers need to do because this is a real retention crisis. Yes. Um, but also potentially really long-term effects. Look, and you know what? I think this was the thing that triggered me to, to say, call Jilly right now. Because I saw that topic and it resonated simply because I'm one of those moms. And until about, what, seven weeks ago, 
my daughter was homeschooled right here. Online learning is what they call it, but let me tell you, it is homeschooling. Okay. <laughs> and you know, with me not being on the road, you know, flying or going to my office, my business was 100% headquartered out of here with online school going on out there. And until you've lived it, <laughs> there's no way to know all the different nuances that you end up dealing with. Now, add on it, I have very spry parents. They're, um, I wouldn't even call them elderly. They're seniors. That's what I call them. They're boomers. But even just dealing with them and making sure that they weren't going to Costco and they were trying to give me, you know, a hand with my daughter. Then you've got Gen Z and boomers trying to interact in the same, right? No, <laughs> it was a zoo. It was crazy. And it wasn't until about seven weeks ago that I looked at Joni. It was a, the same week my parents got their vaccine, their vaccine, the first ones of them. And I realized what my why was. My why was I was keep, keeping Joni home to keep the grandparents safe. They lived 10 minutes away, but we didn't want to break up the pod. So when they started getting their vaccines, I was like, Joni, you want to go to school? <laughs> and I sent her and her grades went up. I'm doing better at home. Like everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. But I can only imagine what it's like for people who can't be as flexible with their schedule because someone else depends on them. And I'm able to shift things. You know, as an entrepreneur, I can shift things. But you can't pivot like that if you are working for someone else. Absolutely. Or you have an hourly job and, yeah. you know, you have a shift coming up. And I think it's also just exposed, as COVID has in so many ways, mm -hmm. just these existing structural inequities around, you know, in this case, childcare, uh, consistent, affordable childcare, um, but also the role, especially of women of color. And, you know, we deemed essential workers. But what does that mean if someone has to make the decision between staying home with kids so they have supervision and their job. Right. I mean, one of the parents yeah. at Joni's previous school, I remember us all going through this at the same time. Um, she had a small class at the time and one parent, the mother lost her job. She's a single mom and they were in private school, by the way, you know, these were women that were trying to figure out how to make ends meet to pay for the private school while still working and taking their kid home, right. To do school. One other parent, I would learn was taking her daughter to work with her every day. And she kept saying, you know, my boss is really cool about this, but this isn't sustainable. How are we going to make this happen? And it's just amazing to see how every household was hit a different way and what they had to do about it. And some people still haven't recovered. And the risk calculations that you said, you know, determining, okay, what is, what is my tolerance for exposure, right? What am I willing to do for some sense of sanity or structure, right? right. It's just all of the juggling. And I, you know, that falls to women. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's the way our minds work, right? Um, thinking 10 steps ahead, but also making the plans for the household and, and then having to keep up this faith in front and performance at work. I mean, it's, a lot. Well, and let me tell you, this is what makes us transformational leaders. Leaders out there in corporate, you need to hear this. <laughs> we can read tea leaves and juggle like nobody's business, especially the moms. We face it all and we somehow make it all happen. 
that's what you need in your business. That's what you need in, in leadership, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I always say give a working mom an hour and she will get done what someone it would take a week. Yeah. I mean, it's like that level of efficiency. And I think also just something I've been thinking about too, and it's, you can't really qualify or quantitate this, but you know, it's the pressure, the performance pressure that I think women have on themselves just to get the job done, you know, and do it well. And they're not going to leave something unfinished or I just have noticed different behaviors in our own workplace. Oh, yeah. um, and because we care or it's because we've always had to overcompensate, which That's is probably exactly part why. of it too. Um, and we can't afford to be messy on a deadline or sloppy with something. Uh, so I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it is, I just trust that most of the time the woman's going to get the job. Right. Um, so often my clients will tell me, you know, I, I didn't want to be the one who used my children as an excuse. And I'm like, come on, we got to reverse that because it's not an excuse. But then she goes on to share how she overcompensated and still made this thing happen. And if you add on the intersectionality of color, or at least checking some other box, (laughs) you'll find that that's compounded where people really believe that they have to do 10 times more just to stay in the game. It really is interesting. But it, that comes at such a cost. And I think that's the role of leaders is to not only be aware of those areas where are you holding different standards for one person than you are another, because we do every, you know, and so that's something we really need to hold a mirror up against Mm you, but also to normalize. And I think big part of the conversation around the working moms is this is a call to action for any executive mom um, who it's okay to have the kids, you show by example, that it's okay to have the kids screaming in the right. background because that's the life I have. Or, right. no, I need to go at 2 p.m. because I have a doctor's appointment and that, yes, it's for my child and not trying to um, just, you know, I always think about the duck analogy of, you know, a duck with a leg, mm-hmm. you know, swirling under the water while gliding on top. It's okay to show that because it, you have the privilege of being your authentic self. Right. And a lot of women don't. And so I think it's on you to exhibit the behaviors and kind of set the tone for the culture. So well, tell us a little bit about you, Jilly. You have an impressive resume. And I also saw that you spent some time working for the Obama campaign. So unravel a bit about your personal and your career story for us. Oh, thank you. Well, I I think, you know, I've always been either in kind of politics and nonprofit work or marketing, and they're actually more similar than you think. Um, And so, yeah, so I grew up in New York. Um, We moved to Dallas when I was in sixth grade. That was a bit of a culture shock. We moved in July in Dallas. And I swear I saw smoke rising from the sidewalk. You probably and did, and Satan on the curb waving. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, was a, a bit of a culture transition. But, you know, I ended up loving Dallas, but I, I knew this wasn't the place for me at the time. And again, as we've alluded to, it was a different city. Um, so I went back to school in New York, and, and you know, I've lived in uh, Buenos Aires, in Chicago, and San Francisco. I'm a lover of cities, and I think I really... Um, use my 20s well in terms of job hopping and opportunity seeking and and realizing that this was a journey not an immediate destination for you of finding what I wanted and I I really give that advice to to many people because it all added up Mm -hmm. it wasn't clear at the time by any means 
Um, and people might still look at my resume and be like, but it all made me who I am. And, and each, and each time I just learn more about what I really do love to do is be the conductor of the orchestra. I'm good at bringing people together, you know, coming up with ideas and executing and, and really motivating and keeping a train moving. Right. <laughs> and well, and that's awesome yeah. that you had that degree of risk taking and discovery at such an early age, many of us were not taught that way or that's not what we experienced. It was to find the first safest thing that was tied to your degree and you better keep your head down and you better do your best and stay with it for as long as you can, you know, until the retirement comes. And that has gotten so many women and men stuck. Well, especially when you're young. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, it wasn't all like I, I ate ramen for about two years straight, you know, I mean, it wasn't uh, very luxurious, but, you know, and there are times where I was confused and questioned as I saw my friends maybe settle down, you know, and get married and they're, you know, and I was still kind of in this, you know, living in a different city and then moving to the next. Um, so, you know, you, you have a grasp, but I think especially as you're young, I mean, you have to take those opportunities and take those risks. And I think also, you know, I drove to Chicago with uh, in a U-Haul, rented U-Haul with like my suitcase. And um, I actually applied to work online for the Obama campaign, which in 2012, I worked in 20, 2008 too, but in the field in Colorado. Wow. And I knew I was actually in Dallas. Um, I knew I wanted a change. I knew that I wanted to eventually probably come back to Dallas, but I had some time um, of exploration still under my belt. And so I was looking for what was next and uh, applied online and somehow got the job. And I swear, I was like, don't tell people because that it's pretty rare that that happens, yes. but it was, you know, some miracle. And I, I showed up and it ended up being, you know, I was there for nine months all through 2012. It was the best experience of my wow. life, the hardest and the best. You know, we worked 24 seven, um, which I'd seen more Chicago, but there wasn't time. But you know, um, what? That's, yeah. that was a history making campaign for more than one reason. Let's just look at the marketing piece of it in the digital and social. There are books written about it. Let's just put it simply it was the first time that we actually saw somebody even of that ilk grab hold to it. But honestly, these platforms hadn't been around that long and brands, major brands were just getting the hang of it. <laughs> and totally. in comes this guy with his ideas and he builds a team and just murders the whole social media scene. Just breaking I mean, it, records and, and it everything. Was you are part and of it, that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was him too. I think again, I always talk, it does start from the top and he really saw this as a huge opportunity to bring people together. You know, the beauty of social media, the beauty of the internet, which you can kind of forget about sometimes um, and, and how it's evolved. But, you know, these original message boards that ended up connecting um, hundreds of thousands of volunteers in their own communities and neighbors meeting neighbors for the first time. So I think, you know, it, the technology served for the vision. I think where people get stuck is when they're just leading with the technology and just the next shiny toy right. that's going to sound good. And it's not really coming from the place of, okay, what's our original goal and idea. Um, so I think, you know, we always say campaigns are like the perfect, and I think Obama's truly was and studied as this, you know, it's like the messenger, the message and the, me like the vehicle yes. of which we're delivering that. And I think, um, he, you know, 2008 was pivotal in 2012, we harnessed it in a whole other level. You know, we had a 300 person digital team. Um, we were integrated in a whole other ways with the field team and, 
you know, what was going up on TV um, and, you know, all and tech and analytics. And so um, it was just to just to be a part of that and learn on the job. I call it my grad school plus um, <laughs> because I learned so much. And I ended up going to work at a digital agency in New York that was founded by a lot of the Obama digital leads from 2008. Oh, so we were amazing. taking those. Yeah. Taking those lessons um, and technology and everything to, you know, nonprofits and advocacy organizations and brands too, because brands are also paying attention and saying, hey, I want what they're having. Absolutely. And we want that engaged audience. We want to connect with our community members, whether you're Ford or, you know, Purina we worked with. Um, so it was, it's really fun to be, again, the intersection of, because again, I love the mix of things, <laughs> but I love really understanding people's business, what they want to do, and then helping come up with. So what solutions. brought you back to Dallas? What ultimately said, I got to yes. come back? So 2016, it was actually the shoot. I mean, I, okay, I'll be candid. I was like 30 in New York and being like, all right, I'm either doing this and sticking here and doing it or I'm not. And I know there's another way to live. Um, so I'd been back for about four years at that point. And um, so I started to kind of think about what was next. And, uh, but Dallas really, I mean, it was not like I had was set on it. I was looking at LA and other places. Um, and then the shootings happened here, which... You know, I know Dallas sites are obviously familiar with, but in July 2016, we had what, you know, I remember watching that night unfold from my apartment in New York, and I was so proud of our city because it was actually one of the first protests we had had, mm -hmm, right, that week mm -hmm. you know, Castile and Alton Brown. And um, I, I had never seen our, you know, now this is commonplace because of the Trump area, yeah. but if you go back, like, I don't know, I don't remember, you know, my my peers no, and my generation no. coming on the street. So I, I started watching with such hope and I was so proud of us. And then to see this horrible, horrible uh, rampage take mm -hmm. place. And, and my fear was, well, what is that gonna do to stifle the voices of those? And how are we gonna heal from this? And just, you know, I, I talked to other people who've lived in cities that become hashtags, mm -hmm. you know, I always think about them, what it's like to watch your own home. Um, become Dallas. You know, I remember staying up all night. So that was just a moment where I was working for big national campaigns, you know, big brands, amazing work, working my butt off, learning a lot. But I, I knew that I was feeling a little disconnected from the end result. And when this happened, it just focused, you know, and honed my focus that I want to focus on local. I want to focus on Dallas mm -hmm. because it is a city that I love but also needs a lot of work mm -hmm. in so many ways and so what a better opportunity to come and spend you know all this the waking hours I have wow. um, on this place and then yeah um transition back and so how long have you been with D Partners so um I started back I did a little adventuring thinking and I there was a job opening here um so we are a family business mm -hmm. and um so I asked if I could be considered for the job and <laughs> not assuming. Awesome. And, uh, and it was actually on our sales. Yeah. So I came back in 2017. Um, and I was back for a few years as brand in 2009, kind of post uh, recession mm -hmm. and, and digital transformation. So yeah. So, um, been 2017 and, and it's just been fabulous. That be is awesome. Well, in the span of what, three years, You've done some amazing work. Tell everybody how they can get connected with these awesome events and then tell them how to follow you on social. Well, thank you. So yeah, join us, dmagazine.com. We have a ton of different newsletters depending on what you're interested in, business side, lifestyle, food, restaurant news. 
Um, also would love feedback. And I know, you know, what I love most is getting people from all different walks of life, all different, not just media folks to, to come and, and help and advise us. So, um, yeah. And then follow me. I'm uh, a nerd on Twitter at G-I-L-A-A -A, um, and LinkedIn, Julie Allison. But yeah, I'd love to connect with you. Um, I love Culture Soup, but I love everything that you're building here. So Thank you. I know you're a friend of mine. Oh, well, you know what? She is the only president of a media company that I can think of right now that's local <laughs> that I can just call up and kiki with and we'll just yeah. tell stories and have a good time. But yeah, I really appreciate you, Jilly. And just so you know, whenever I speak at one of your events, especially recently with the way it's been virtual, I have my network come from around the country and some of them dialing from Canada. So don't be shocked <laughs> when you're virtual, if you have another audience that shows up because it's accessible now and people are interested to see what's going on. I love it. And I love that for Dallas because you can see that, you know, you might have a vision of what you think we are as a city, yeah. but um, you really need to see the amazing people and work that's happening here. And come to Dallas. We would love to have you. <laughs> awesome. And I do. I actually have a few friends. One fr friend just moved from Calgary to Dallas. And there's somebody Ooh. else that's headed this way. I can't remember who it is, but people come to Dallas and it's for a very good reason. Same reason they would come to Atlanta. Cost of living is so much better, right? And the weather, the weather. <laughs> the weather yeah. too, the weather too, which is actually unseasonably great right now. Jilly, it's been great having you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you. I'm going to register for that event for the moms, the working moms. Oh, yeah. Keep the conversation going. Absolutely. And yes, we'll talk soon. Thank you Thank so much. You. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Jilly Allison. She's the president of D Partners. So awesome to have them as an extended family to NSC. I love it. And I really appreciate the opportunity when they yield their platform to me. You probably picked up that I've spoken at a few of their events. And we have some coming up this fall. More to come. Listen, if you haven't signed up for NSC Spring Cleaning Group Coaching, you need to do that now. Listen, now more than ever, not just because it's spring, but it's spring 2021. And I know, just like I have, there are some things that have slipped because of life. Y'all, we're living through a pandemic. We may be on an upswing, but there's economic unrest. There's all of the things that happen at the micro level, at your jobs, at home. Maybe you're looking for a job that just made you say, I got to put things on hold. Well, now's the time to revisit the goals that you have for 2021. We're almost not even halfway through. We're going to do the spring cleaning that you need to get the blocks out of the way to get you swinging on all cylinders before the end of the year to meet and exceed your goals in life and in leadership. Go to lmichellesmith.com, look for the bright sunflower, click on it, and you can register right there. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.